it's very top of funnel, right? Like those customers are not going on Uber Eats or DoorDash thinking they're gonna order from a specific restaurant. Most of them don't. Most of them are, most of them don't actually know what they're gonna order by the time that they open their app. Mm-hmm. They have so many options, so many choices. You gotta stand out. Um, they're giving you a chance. They're ordering your food. What are you gonna do after that to make sure that they come back? Whether it's again through the third parties or hopefully direct after that. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined by Juan Orego, who is the co-founder and CEO of Cubo, a YC-backed company that's helping redesign how restaurants manage online ordering. Um, Juan, I've I've heard about your company for a while. I know that my my investor, right, right as you guys got accepted into YC, one of our lead investors was like, "Oh, check out this company. It's super cool." And we've stayed in touch and we've emailed a whole bunch and we've been within 50 yards of each other right. uh, at like the, the NRA show in Chicago. But this is the first time we're actually seeing face to face. Dude, thanks for taking some time. Yeah, no, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was really excited to meet you and really excited to chat. So first, tell us a little bit about Cubo. And by the way, Cubo is spelled C-U-B-O-H, like Cubo, but exactly. Cubo. Um, so tell us a little bit about what, what does Cubo do? Yeah, so what we do is we um, um, are an aggregator of online orders. Um, I think we're all kind of familiar with aggregators now, but we normally tend to work with um, a really high volume restaurants that are doing a lot of volume and online ordering, um, you know, ghost kitchens, et cetera, uh, help them manage all their online uh, orders from the third parties as well as the first party uh, platforms, uh, help them with inventory, menu management, analytics, literally just the operating system for um, all of your online orders. Yeah, I, I've got I've got so many questions. The least of which is what product you use in your hair. Because if you guys are listening to this, <laughs> my man Juan's got some got some slick hair. Um, so why did you decide to start Cubo? Um, you know, I think um, first of all, my background has been in in restaurants as I was really young. Um, I'm an immigrant, moved to Canada when I was 17, and the first thing that I did when I got here was try to get a job in a in a food truck. Um, so I experienced all the pain points that restaurant tours experience um and it was just out very new to online ordering aspect like i'm i moved to victoria which is a really small town in canada we did not have um online delivery platforms here when i moved in um, um and uh you know trying to adopt all of this different uh tablets and all the, the online ordering world uh, was super challenging um i was really young you know didn't really know how to create a business but as time progressed you know graduate university and so on um, it became very clear that there needed to be a solution for uh, online ordering platforms. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we built a platform uh, back in 2018. Uh, we officially launched in 2019 and it just went, you know, absolutely crazy. Um, a year later, COVID hit and uh, we just couldn't really keep up. And so it's been an amazing uh, journey, just helping as many restaurants as possible. But it really just all stemmed from um, not only the pain point that I experienced when, when online ordering was super new, but um, also just... Uh, restaurants really wanting a solution for this. And how have you seen, because we kind of, sounds like we had fairly similar journeys. You know, we started a little bit before you guys, but um, then through the COVID, 
boom and crash, depending on the company, depending on what you were doing. Yeah. Um, so how how have how have you seen things change from when you started to today with uh, with, with COVID? Uh, there's been a couple of things. So the first thing is um, we're really involved with like virtual kitchens and virtual brands, which was not really, I mean, it was a thing back in like 2019, but it was really like the very, very, very smart people uh, doing it. The people that like, it's as if they saw the future. Yeah. Very Actually, cutting heard, edge. Yeah. Yeah. We, we heard of it, but um, yeah, again, like it, just a handful of companies that we knew um, now ghost kitchens. I think it's still very underutilized. I think, there's a lot of potential for growth uh, there. And I think most small restaurants are not capitalizing on the opportunity as much as they should, but it's definitely a lot more normal uh, to see virtual brands. So that's a, a that's been a very fascinating uh, thing to see from uh, like the technology perspective, just like a, finally the digitization of restaurants, kind of like yeah. the e-commerce world finally actually happening in, in food. Uh, and the second thing is um, in my world, you know, I deal with online ordering, online ordering platforms, online orders like all day long. And uh, when we started in 2019, um, it was sort of a nice to have, again, very, very smart people were doing it. Um, a lot of things that needed to be figured out with commissions and margins and so on. Um, but I think nowadays it's more of uh, the norm, right? Like it's more normal to see a restaurant on the online ordering platforms than, than before. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's been mostly just the adoption of it. So you guys work with, I mean, just like, tons of restaurants across Canada and, and North America in general. What, what are some of um, the biggest mistakes that you see restaurants making with online ordering? Um, I think most people don't um, see their online ordering journey as a funnel. They kind of just see it as like, yo, cool, getting an order, deliver the food, and that's it. Um, but you actually have so much control over the whole journey and you have such an amazing opportunity as a restaurant to make those costs, turn those customers into a one-time buyer that is just trying your food to uh, potentially a weekly recurring customer bi-weekly or whatever. You just have to know how to really master the journey. And a lot of people don't pay attention to that. Um, I think that's a great point, Juan, because, you know, both of us having background in restaurants, it's like, if I get someone to walk into my door as a restaurant, I have a customer. It's, It's rare that you see somebody walk into a restaurant and then turn around and walk out, yeah. right? It it takes a, a really long line, in which case, like, I don't really care that that last person walked out because my staff is like totally slammed anyway. Yeah. Online ordering is so different. You lose customers at every single step along the way. And like, you're exactly right. Like you have to look at that journey differently. And then you have to look at the post journey differently as well. Like there's more you can do with that guest. The post journey is super important. Like that's where I think that most restaurants are um, not necessarily failing, but they could, they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, you know, like your, your packaging, like, is it branded? Are you having your website, your, your website on it? Any like QR ordering for future pickup? Um, like just try to take those people from, you know, them opening your food and eating it to potentially going to your social media, following you, going to your website. That way you can actually, uh, trace them digitally, retarget them. You basically go from this customer being a one-time customer to you actually owning the data, being able to do whatever you want with that. Um, but a lot of, yeah, again, like lots of room for growth um, in that post, post um, what do you call it? Like post uh, eating process when it comes to online ordering. Yeah. That, that post, post eating experience is just so key. 
And that's where we've actually seen the the most success is like, you know, off uh, with ovation and that feedback portion of it. Because yeah. as soon as you take, eat your food, it's like, all right, you want to know how was everything? And if you don't ask them, guess who's going to ask them and get that data and get the, get the benefit, the third-party delivery companies. Whereas right. if you have the card, if you have that QR code, you have that, you know, that branding, like, like you're talking about one, then you can own that customer data. And then you have the power to convert them in. And so I think the, the challenge is we've gone, restaurants have gone from having one door per location to having seven or eight doors per location. But you have to treat those doors differently, but you have to treat the customer the same. Yeah. It, it's not fair that a guest who's dining into the table, you can go up and say, how was everything? But for the guest who orders on DoorDash or get delivery or pickup, like you don't care how that experience was. And this is where it comes down to the, the benefit of where we're at as a society, that things like QR codes, they are being used. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners, if you don't use a bag stuffer with a QR code, please go to Kinko's today, go get some bag stuffers printed, go put them in your bags. I promise you it's helpful. And you're like, well, what's it going to do? And I, I can't tell you necessarily what it's going to do based on your design and your verbiage, but I can tell you what it's going to do if you don't put it in. Nada, right? Yeah. And the thing is like all these customers, um, again, it's very top of funnel, right? Like these customers are not going on Uber Eats or DoorDash thinking they're going to order from a specific restaurant. Most of them don't. Most of them are, most of them don't actually know what they're going to order by the time that they open their app. Mm-hmm. They have so many options, so many choices. You got to stand out. Um they're giving you a chance. They're ordering your food. What are you going to do after that to make sure that they come back? Whether it's again through the third parties or hopefully direct after that. Totally. I, I think that post-experience purchase is like is so critical. Um, what do you think is one of the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays? Uh, it really depends on the type of restaurant you're running. Um, you know, for me and I really, really like to focus on this uh, post-ordering experience because I think that it's such an easy win, such a low-hanging fruit. Um, I, I really would double down on on the on that post-ordering experience uh, when it comes to online ordering, uh, at the very least. When it comes to like in-person ordering, I think the labor shortage is uh, throwing a massive wrench into the works for restaurants because obviously they want to focus on the in-person experience, but it's really hard when you have so many people, so much turnaround, um, making sure that they understand the restaurant, they understand the menu, they understand your customers. Um, so I would say just like, um, as boring as it sounds like, uh, and it's not necessarily the customer experience, but just like HR customer, uh, employee retention, just like, it's actually, actually going to go a really long way if you can, if you can keep your employees and they actually know your customers, know your restaurant, um, know your menu for a long time. Like it will I'll, like translate, uh, massively over to the customer experience as well. Um, it's obviously hard, you know, in the, in the, in the economy today, but if you can figure out a way in which you can turn your employees into, uh, you know, I don't know, evangelist uh, to some sort. Yeah. Um, that'll translate over to the customer experience as well. And data shows that if you treat, if you give your employees the power to help your customers, they will be, um, your customers are going to be more loyal and your employees are going to be more satisfied and you're going to make more money. A lot of people who are like sticklers and they're saying, no, like don't give anything away. It's like, Empower your employees to help people. If they're always going to the manager for everything, right? They feel like they're like a unappreciated robot. And then yeah. you have technology that you could layer on top of that to track and make sure that 
one manager isn't constantly giving away free stuff and that one customer isn't constantly complaining, but it's about, you know, that I like you talking about the employees, because when you think about the guest experience, the, the last line of defense is the employee, right? Yeah. Everything else could be perfect, perfect, perfect. And then if that employee who hands them that bag misses an item, nothing else matters. Everything that you did right is deleted because exactly. the thing that they care about, uh, which is getting what they paid for, was wrong. Yeah, and that sucks, right? Like you can be the best operator in the world, just like have an incredible eye for detail. But if one of your employees just messes up, potentially you're losing some customers. So like, how can you actually give ownership to your employees to think like an operator? You get really creative. Like something that we do in startups a lot is like what we call the ESOP or like giving mm-hmm. options to your employees. Like, is that something that your restaurant can afford? Can you have some sort of like pro- uh, profit share that you can set up for employees that have been with you for longer than a year? Um, something that actually uh, incentivizes them to act like owners. Um, it'll make your life as an operator a lot easier as well if you have many operators running all across the restaurant at all, you know, at all times. And if you read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which I highly recommend every business owner read it, it's, it, he gives some great examples in there of how he empowered his staff to, to fix issues. And as a result of that, like everything improved, including customer retention, because at the end of the day, your employees aren't lazy, entitled Gen Zers. They're people who want to make a difference. They're people who want to make an impact. And if you give them that ability to make an impact and you give them that responsibility to do that, they're going to be happier and so are your customers. Data data has proven this time and time and time again. Um, and spe- speaking of these these different tips and tricks, Juan, what is something that, um, what are some successful things that you've seen some of your restaurant customers do lately? Um, I really want to focus on ghost kitchen specifically, mostly because the impact that I'm seeing on the bottom line is uh, quite crazy. Like I, from my exposure in, in the restaurant industry, again, pre-delivery to what I'm seeing some restaurants nowadays do in terms of numbers, um, it's incredible to see. Um, and that's what I want. Like if you're a traditional restaurant tour, um, this is how I want you to think about it, right? Like, you can you now have the ability to go over to say the suburbs or a non-prime real estate location and instead of paying a, a crazy amount of money on rent you can rent a, a a way smaller place set up a kitchen have six or seven brands running out of it um way less front of the house employees uh less employees to deal to deal with and, and to manage less turnover in general uh the margins that i'm seeing in uh virtual only uh, brands or virtual only facilities are about 30, uh, 30, 35% compared to the traditional 5% that, that I saw when I was involved in, in the restaurant industry. Um, that's by far the most impactful thing that I'm seeing, uh, in, in, with our customers today. And I think that there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do ghost kitchens. I yeah, think if I you are a single unit shop, it's really hard to manage the operations of launching three or four other brands, leverage brands that are out there. If you're a big shop and you have the capacity to launch your own brands, great, do it. Just make sure it's different enough so that way you're showing up. But like, you know, Chili's, it's just wings is crushing it, right? Yeah. And w- Wade Allen, who uh, is the SVP of innovation over there at Brinker International, he's on our board. And it's really cool to see how they've done it so well 
And sure, Chili's will show up for wings if you go to DoorDash and type in wings. But now they're showing up twice. They have they have twice the chance of getting you. And I think that's yeah. that's a really key um, a really key factor is yeah, it, is that visibility. It, yeah, it's a, it's a new the new franchise model, and it's great for restaurants because you no longer need to again have to deal with all this expensive real estate or like franchising fees if you're in the franchise game. Um, something really cool that our team launched recently, and yeah, just shameless plug here is uh, we launched Please. a marketplace um, where traditional restaurants can go and see uh, hundreds of virtual brands, uh, and they can see based on um, you know the the type of food that they already serve whether they would be a good fit for a virtual brand. Mm. Um, and you can check that out at cubo.com slash marketplace. Uh, you can kind of filter by like American food. So if you, if you already make burgers, you know, you can probably use your, uh, existing kitchen and ingredients to, um, make burgers for another brand that might have marketing more nailed down, or they're a little bit more, more niche for a specific customer segment that you're just not touching at the moment. Um, it's a huge, uh, underutilized, uh, space in, in the Russian industry, in my opinion. Love that. And I love how on the site, it'll say like, Hey, you need a blender and flat top grill. You need a deep fryer. You just need a blender. Um, Super cool. I like, uh, I really like how you did that. Another, another group that um, just went out to lunch with them a couple of times or dinner with them a few times was um, the wow bow guys, Jeffrey Alexander, you know, go check out. uh, That's another great one where you don't need a lot of space to do it. Um, And I think that's, that's where it comes down to is like the, simplicity of things. And yeah. so, so often people are, uh, they're scared to do virtual brands because they think it's going to, it's going to muck up their kitchen. And if you do it wrong, it will. Right. So I think there's, but there's a right way to do it. And I think that if you're being, if it's, uh, simple, if it's not adding a lot of new ingredients or a lot of new kitchen space, and you're not adding seven, eight, nine, ten 10 brands, add some brands and see how it goes and get good at that. And then, and then improve that. Uh, I think that's, you know, I've seen also a lot of success with ghost kitchens. I, j- I just spoke down at the ghost kitchen conference in Dallas and yeah. it's, it's conference. amazing to see what, what people are doing. Yeah. Um, so lastly, one who, who deserves innovation in the restaurant industry? Who's someone that we should be following? Um, yeah, man, there's so many great people out there. I'm really liking, not like a specific person in particular, but, um, I've been reading lots about some of the recent innovation that some of the big franchises are doing. And I think that's really cool to see, because I think that eventually trickles all the way down to the single operators. But, um, for instance, like, uh, Wendy's setting up uh, virtual kitchens in the metaverse. I have no idea how that works or how that's going to work, but I, I really like seeing how, what was traditionally a very um tech averse industry is starting to play with this new technologies that other newer industries aren't even touching right now so i think that's really cool to see uh obviously shout out to, to our team here too again launching great tools like the the marketplace uh we recently launched a new podcast as well um yeah i think that's that's some of the people that i'm following right now or some of the yeah some of the companies that i've been looking at yeah well again if you're looking for innovation check out wade allen go follow him on on LinkedIn. He's always posting about stuff. He's doing interesting stuff. Um, and you know, if you're really forward thinking, look at NFTs and, you know, the metaverse, uh, Chad Horn over at devour just started up, um, that company and incredible, incredible tools to really help restaurants leverage 
NFTs and Web3. Um, well, Juan, how, how do people find, follow you and Kubo? Yeah, so uh, I'm just Juan Orego uh, on LinkedIn. Um, our company, Kubo, you can just find it on social media. I would handle GetCubo or our website, just Kubo.com. Awesome. Well, hey, for helping us pick that low-hanging fruit of the post-ordering experience and for opening our eyes to the beauty of the ghost kitchen, today's ovation goes to you. Thanks for joining us, Juan. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk-takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.